Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Six Ways from Sunday podcast. My name is Ben Wilson, and today I'm sitting down with Reverend Robin King. We are at the Basha United Church, and we're sitting on some comfy chairs in the back of the sanctuary where our congregation normally gathers for coffee or muffins or potluck lunch after a service. Um, this is uh, this is a, a gathering place where um, our community of faith gets together all the time, normally, and now we're sitting in an empty building. Uh, the last few episodes that uh, Robin and I sat down for a, a conversation over a cup of coffee, we've been up at the front of the sanctuary looking out over rows of empty pews. Uh, so we're mixing it up a little bit and sitting at the back of the church um, to enjoy a, a cup of coffee and to talk about Mother's Day coming up. So Robin, thanks for joining me again today. Hey, Ben. It's funny how that, that's that's interesting because it's funny how I was, hadn't thought of that. That's funny how your perspective changes, right? Um, we're actually sitting, previously we sat in the part of the church which was, um, you know, the sacred space of worship. And now we're sitting in the part of the church and, and we could see everything. But now we're sitting in the part of the church where we have food and we have fellowship and we, we gather for events and coffee and stuff like that. The comfy chairs are here and we're looking at back at the sacred place of worship. Um, and now we're talking about, you know, Mother's Day, right? It's, it's, uh, it's not a, certainly not a, it's certainly not on the religious calendar. Um, and yet it's a, a key moment, a key day in our lives, right? A day of celebration. Um, and we've moved into the, the secular space of the building. Um, <laughs> and, and if you, if you, and that's the thing, if you want to see it that way, I think is what I'd say is, but I don't, I think you don't see it as separate. No, from I don't, the, I don't. And that's what's so interesting about yeah. it is that uh, that's, what's so cool about this particular space is that you can see, um, wherever you sit, you can see both the, what we would traditionally call the, the worship space and the, um, fellowship space. Yeah. I think that be well, the traditional a, way of describing that. Our church is a very small building, right? So, yes, and, for and sure. one of the things that's so cool about our church here is that it is so multifunctional. So we've got a space that is used for kindergarten graduations sometimes, or, um, uh, musical theater performances or uh, yeah. movie nights or, or worship I, on a Sunday morning. And it's all in this same space. And now for what, almost two months now, it has been, uh, well, you've been coming into work and you've been here alone. Um, I, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, challenge you on the multifunctional. Um, there was a time, here's, here's why partly a personal bias. There was a time back in the sort of 60s, I guess, and early 70s when particularly United Churches were building multifunctional spaces, mm -hmm. right? And so you'd have like the classic worship gymnatorium, right? <laughs> Where it's basically, it's a gymnasium. You, you got a basketball net at one end, right? Yeah. Um, but you you wheel out the, the table at the front and put out a cross and suddenly it's a worship space and, and you use it for dances and you need blah, blah, blah. And it's all like a multifunctional space. Nothing wrong with that. Not saying there is. It's just that the way we looked at that was we made a multifunctional space. At this point in time, it is a church. At this point in time, it is a gym. At this point in time, it is a meeting hall. And when I look at a space like our church, and I and, and you know what? It's not just because it's a small church. 
because um, I know there are larger churches that have, you know, it, like they've got different buildings and, and, and it's a bigger space and, and things are separated by, you know, you have to go through a hallway to get into this or a door to that. And, and it's not as sort of an open space um, that still see their space the same way is that it's all sacred space. And what it is, is the way that the church is both um, the, the sacred space that is part of our religious tradition and the sacred space that is part of how we live our lives, right? Mm-hmm. Which, is, which is kind of what we're all about. Mm-hmm. We're not just about, you know, you go and sit in the church for an hour on Sunday morning and you're good for the rest of the week. Right. The point of doing that is that it becomes part of every other day and 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 it becomes part of your week and and how your week is becomes part of your experience um, when you gather mm-hmm. for for a service and and that's that's an interesting thing about this Sunday right is that every now and then um, we have things on the like there's a church calendar and if you're if you're one of the communities of faith that follows the revised common lectionary right that tells you what scripture passages to use on a particular Sunday morning um, there's also a church calendar that tells you what, you know, special days are, right? And like, not just Easter and Christmas, but in some traditions, there's saints days, there's other observances. Um, in the United Church, a, a significant day is uh, union, um, the day of church union, right? The founding, literal founding of the church. Um, and so there's, there's occasions like that. And then there's things that we kind of add to the calendar because they are part of what the world is about. And that's not just things like Mother's Day. It's things like um, Environment Day uh, world, or um, Earth Day. Earth Day. Because yeah. there's, there's an Earth Day, there's an Environment Sunday. Um, the, the day for... Um, we have various days for um, um, celebrating... Um, events in the world, right? Um, and we have an in, uh, Indigenous Peoples Day. We have other uh, other things that happen that we add to the church calendar, and then we incorporate them. I think that's the right word to use for right now. We incorporate them into what we're doing as part of uh, our church service. Mm-hmm. Even things like right now we're in the middle of, uh, or at the beginning of Mental Health Awareness Month. Or I think there's a week as well, like we're yeah. in mental health awareness week. Like there's all these things yeah. that um, that aren't specifically tied to Christianity, right? But they're meaningful to our right. culture, to our society, yeah. and, you, and you kind of build it into what we do here. Yeah, um, and and there's there's other other days for you know um, um, days for the. Um, to acknowledge the various uh, historic events or, or to acknowledge um, things like, you know, days, uh, we have a day coming up, I think, and it actually, I think, falls on a Sunday um, this year. Um, that's um, uh, for the um, uh, eradication of homophobia and transphobia and, and things like that. Um, we actually have, I think there's actually now an LGBTQ2 plus, 2S plus um, Sunday on the church calendar oh. now, like a Pride Sunday, yeah, um, and and it's I I think that is so incredibly important because just like the business of are we multi-purpose or multifunctional, or are we one with our community? Yeah, you need to you need to be one with the community, yeah. right? Yeah, and sometimes there's a long way around to this, but sometimes <laughs> that's really hard because uh, the two things don't necessarily 
come together well, they kind of collide, right? So like Mother's Day is on Sunday. And uh, if you use the lectionary, um, the readings for this Sunday don't help you <laughs> for <laughs> celebrating Mother's Day. Um, and conversely, um, trying to celebrate Mother's Day uh, doesn't exactly fit into what the theme of a this Sunday morning might be as the fifth Sunday of Easter, right? So um, it it can be a little bit tricky to do that. But so as a minister, when you're um, when you're sitting down in your office in this empty, quiet building, and thinking about hmm, Sundays, the next Sunday's coming up again, um, you need to come up with some ideas of what you're going to build the service around, your message, the sermon. What? How do you tackle that when there's that kind of tension between the two important things? to talk about? Do you try to <laughs> find a segue or a bridge or do you just pick something and like one or the other and go for it? Um, it's sometimes it's really, I find it sometimes really challenging. I think it's really important to do. And in fact, sometimes the challenge itself is what you have to settle for, right? Because it's just not going to work out. Um, but by working through the challenge of trying to, you are in fact doing what we're supposed to be doing, I think, as a church, which is uh, if we are not part of the community, if we're not relevant to what's going on in the world, if we're not, if we're, if we're trying to keep ourselves exclusive and untainted, but we're doing the wrong thing. Yeah. We're, missing, um, we're, we're, not, the we're point. not being church. Yeah. Um, we, we can't, especially, especially at a time when people are isolated, we can't afford to be isolate. In fact, it's not a question we can't afford to be isolating. We simply aren't. That's not what Jesus was about. Sorry. Yeah. You um, can't insulate it. Uh, yeah. Insulated <laughs> is even a better. Yeah. Um, we, we need to, we need to be part of the world, right? Yeah. Well, our, um, this church, and I know the Pinocchio United Church, uh, growing up in that church is the same way with, uh, we were just talking before starting to record about how people in Pinocchio are coming in and supporting the church by purchasing frozen pies as a fundraiser, uh, and especially right now because the um, the Pinocchio Stampede, which is a big fundraiser where the church would normally be selling yeah. pies through the Stampede, is, is canceled. So all these big things yeah. are canceled. Well, and and there's but there's that connection to the community. People are coming in and supporting it. And in Basha, we have countless examples of that as well, where people um, drive by and see. Uh, different things that you post on the sign in the flower bed out front about events that are up coming up. And we're kind of known in the community as this safe place that belongs to everyone where you don't have to be a quote member of the congregation and someone who comes to church every Sunday to come to a movie yeah. night or come and support the yard sale or whatever yeah. it might be. We, so we, we have, we have all these things that bring people through the doors into our, as you said, the, the, maybe the word multifunction, multifunctional is not the best word because it is all part of our ministry, but people are coming through the doors. They're participating in events that are part of the community on a, just an everyday basis. But then there's also these really big moments that are associated with the, the church's physical space, the weddings that are canceled this summer or uh, celebrations of life uh, and funeral services that can't happen the way they normally would happen. Um, and we, we've just gone through Palm Sunday and Easter where we would normally have, you know, five or six times the number of people of an average Sunday. There's always a huge crowd for, for Easter Sunday, right? And so we have these big calendar moments that are not canceled, but having, we're having to 
figure out new ways of celebrating those moments or new ways of, of um, connecting when we can't physically gather. So how do you do a funeral service? How do you do a, a wedding when you, when you can't have 200 people in, in all together? So uh, I think Mother, Mother's Day coming up this Sunday is a great time to talk about how our role as a community of faith in the wider community plays an important role in um, in helping people to still be able to connect, in helping yeah. people to remember that we are all connected and that we're that they're not alone, and that we can uh, still have meaningful ways of celebrating these important calendar dates, whether it's yeah. a religious calendar date like Easter or whether it's a uh, something like Mother's Day. Yeah. So, like like anything else, I suppose there's a there's a practical aspect, right? And there's a uh, whatever the opposite of practical aspect is. Um, but like there's a there's a there's a doing part, and yeah. there's a the sort more the the thinking heart part, right? Um, and they are connected, obviously. I mean, I'm just um, just to go back for a second though. Because I, I don't want to let that that go by, um, because it's a really good example of the kind of thing we're talking about. Um, the thing about the pies in Pinocchio is there's these ladies who make these pies, and they're awesome. They're they're delicious. They're awesome, and um, they've become quite popular and everything. Um, but um, that the money raised by selling those pies doesn't actually go to the church. It goes to Casodi East Camp. Oh, cool. And so it's a really awesome example of being able to use the church's resources and volunteers who are willing to give of their time who are inspired to do good for somebody else, mm-hmm. right? And and then so we, they, they make the pies, they sell them, the money goes to Casota, um, which helps, and especially this year, right? Because it's looking very much like we won't be able to have any camps, um, at least not on site. Uh, they might be able to do something virtual, but again, the whole joy of going to a, a summer camp yeah. for kids is to go to the camp, right? Yeah. To, to be there and out in, you know, the middle of, well, not exactly nowhere, but, um, to be out in nature and doing that, that cool stuff. And so camps need all the support they can get this year. And, and so it's great. It's great that those, it, it it's kind of a byproduct of it's too bad that there isn't a stampede um, because the pies would have sold anyway, I'm sure. But at the same time, the camp really needs the money. Yeah. <laughs> and so the, and the, those, those pies are just like, they're just flying at the door. Right. And people are getting them because they know they're not going to be able to get them with the way they normally do. And, and so that's a, I, to me, that's a really great example. And so is the, the, the thing of, about, um, um, events in a church is that sure you if you particularly if you're charging admission or people make donations there's there's money going to the church but is the point of doing that really to raise money for the church um, or is it about what the church first of all what the church does with that money um, and secondly the event itself right like you can't you can't just say you're having a dinner and the point of that dinner is it's going to raise you some money no, because it isn't. The no. point of that dinner is that people are going to come together and have a good time and enjoy themselves. And and again, that's one of the things we're missing right now. Because right, because you're not having a dinner. And in fact, in fact, I said some of the other day, uh, some of the other day that that um, uh, unfortunately, churches will be. I think, uh, in terms of getting back to, assuming we go back to what we have been doing, 
churches should be amongst the last to be open after all of this because we do all the wrong things. We sing <laughs> all the high risk things. We sing, we sit close together, we share, we share food, food yeah. that's you know made by different people. Preparing you know, it right here in the building. And we prepare it in the building. Yeah. yeah. We do we do all the all of the things that are the great things that we do are in fact things that we're not supposed to be doing, right? Because mm -hmm. they're easy ways for, for the, the virus to be Well, don't spread, even get right? me talking about the importance of hugging in church. Well, exactly, right? And there's and even like on Sunday. I get like my Sunday, hugs here, Robin. On Sunday, um, I had, uh, last Sunday, I had all the, we have all the sheep, right? In Basher, we have those sheep that are in the lobby. They're stuffed sheep and kids love them. They come in and they're, they're all different sizes and kids sometimes use them as pillows or sometimes just something to hug and hold on to. And I was sitting there with all of those last Sunday thinking, again, <laughs> we'd be sanitizing these every time. Not right. that we don't keep them clean. It's just that you'd have to be like wiping down every single toy after somebody touches it, right? Because that's what we do. And and I've uh, I was then I was kind of thinking, well, okay, but then what about like daycares and schools, yeah. right? Um and and the similar similar issues that it, the the very aspects of it that help create What about going to an Oilers hockey game, right? It, it, Rogers Rogers Arena holds like how many thousands of people? And um, the great thing about it is that everybody's there. You're sitting close together. You're watching the game. The People are yelling and yeah. shouting, and they're sharing drinks. They're having a beer and a hot dog and stuff. And people are. That is just the the worst Recipe environment for, yeah. for. But and yet it's the great community building environment, mm -hmm. right? And and that's 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 unfortunately that's where we're at right now. So so yes, how do you find a way? Um, particularly, so yeah, Mother's Day. How do you, how do you find a way to celebrate Mother's Day um, at all? Let, let mm -hmm. alone in the context of you know Sunday morning service kind of thing. Um, how do you find a way to celebrate that at all? And and uh, uh, the thing is, uh, it, and again, it may be a long way around, but the journey's worth it. I'm just going to preface what I'm going to say <laughs> by saying it's a long way around, but the journey is worth it. Um, we, we always hear stories that, you know, Jesus is talking to the disciples and he says stuff and they, they don't really get it because they don't really know what's going to happen next. Right. But it appears as though Jesus does and we sure do reading it now. Right. So things like things like the, the Jesus last words to the disciples that we famously refer to as the farewell discourse in the gospel of John, right? Um, it's, it's the night of what all the other gospels refer to as the night of the last supper. Um, but John tells a story differently. And in John's story, um, they have a meal. Uh, Jesus washes their feet as a sign of service and servitude, right? And then he goes into this big, long dissertation um, that we call the farewell discourse because we know what's about to happen. We know it's the last time he's going to have exactly. that. Exactly. But, but the disciples, the disciples don't know that. No. The other characters in the story don't know what's going to happen next. And sure, sure, Jesus does go to some length in the farewell discourse to say, I'm leaving now. Um, I'm, he doesn't even say, I'm leaving you. He says stuff like, I'm going to the Father, 
right? And he says things that way. And, and of course, because, you know, it's a story written by somebody much later, not one of the disciples goes, wait a second, can you clarify exactly what you mean by that? Do you, in fact, mean you are about to die? Nobody says that. But we they get of? pretty close. <laughs> well, in the telling of the story, I can't imagine that in the moment, one of the disciples didn't go, hang on a second, I don't understand what you're saying. Can you, can you be more specific? Um, are you saying that this is, you know, what, like, tell us what's going to happen next. And, and I'm sure there'd be some back and forth because Jesus would go, well, I can't tell you exactly what's going to happen next, but it's going to be, and then he would say something metaphorical. And then one of the disciples would go, no, no, wait, wait. That's, that's a cool way of saying that and everything. But do you mean this exactly? And Jesus would probably go, well, it's kind of like, you know, if, and then, no, no, be more specific. We want to know. It's, but, but, but what we hear is Jesus saying stuff like, I'm going to the Father. And, uh, but don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. Um, and in fact, this Sunday, we hear Jesus saying words that we probably, if you're familiar with them, you're probably familiar with them because much like the 23rd Psalm last week, you heard it at a funeral. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would not, why would I have told you I'm going to prepare a place for you, right? Whatever version of that story, in my father's um, house are many mansions, you know, there's different ways of uh, different translations, but essentially um, we, we hear that frequently at funerals because there are comforting words that remind us that uh, we all have a place with God in the next life. Mm-hmm. That we all there's there's a place with God for all of us, right? Not just not just I know Jesus in the story is talking to the disciples, but there's a place for all of us with God. And then he goes on to say the infamous, um, you know the way. Thomas famously, uh, the doubting Thomas says, um, we don't know the way. What what is the way? And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? And then we can now get into a sidebar argument for hours about what he meant by no one comes to the Father but through me. Um, But we're not going to because the thing about that is that we always hear it as um, farewell discourse. We always hear it because we know Jesus is about to die. um, So he's telling them um, where he's going next, right? I'm going to be with God. And I'm making a place for you there. And so we hear it as the end. In the next life, we will be with God. Those are comforting words. Do not let your heart be troubled. But what, what, if, what if we didn't hear it as the end and we heard it a little bit more as now? Mm. Because after he says, I'm the way, the truth, and life, he goes on to talk more. And Philip asks him, um, he, he says, you have seen God, I am with God. And Philip says, well, how do we know God? Show us God. And he basically says to Philip, do you not know me? <laughs> because I've been showing you God all along. Like, how did you miss it? Mm, he's in um, me. and Right? And so I just kind of think, instead of, just for a moment, instead of hearing these, and, and by all means, I do believe these are comforting words that remind us that there is a place with God for all of us. But I wonder if maybe just for a moment, particularly as right now in our lives, we're probably finding it hard for our 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 uh, heart to not be troubled. Um, maybe we could hear it as there's a place with God right now. 
that it's not just about what's next. It's about what's happening right now, that God is with us right now. God is here, right? Even as we struggle, even as we're, we're anxious about things, even as we're facing um, difficult times in our lives with, with a virus and with you know, difficult economic times and all of these things that are happening, isolation, all of these things that are happening in our lives, God is still with us now. Not, we're, not, we're not having to just kind of get through this so we can get to being with God when we're dead. It's, that's not the defining moment. Right, mm. death isn't the defining moment. Life is the defining mm-hmm. thing, and and how we experience that has God in it, right? And and so I, I just kind of think, yeah, I, and not just when we're able to get together again. You know, we we've it's, this right is now. we've been in this long yeah. enough. That I think most of us are realizing that okay, we can't just sit and wait to get on with life when all of the restrictions are lifted or when, yeah. when there's a, um, a vaccine and, and we're able to just forget about this completely, we have to, uh, be in. We're alive now. Yeah, it's different. It's different, but it is nonetheless life. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's not, this is not a moment to be survived so we can get on to other things. It's a moment to be lived, right? And engaged however we can. Well said. Um, and and I, I just, I think, you know, we spend so much time, um, I, I, I didn't actually really want to talk about this because I mentioned it in something else in, in a midweek reflection I posted, but one of the other scripture readings on this Sunday is the stoning of Stephen. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, well, that's I, a great story to hear on Mother's Day. Yeah, how do you make how, that connection? And 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 you don't. The thing is, the thing is, all you get is um, because, of course, I suppose the connection is is that he. What happens is Stephen is stoned by a crowd. This is what you hear. Stephen is stoned by a crowd, and while they are stoning him to death, he has a vision of heaven in which he sees Jesus on the right hand of God and realizes that he's going to heaven to be with Jesus and with God. And so he's okay with being stoned to death. What? <laughs> it's, but it kind of reads like that, that little piece. And in fact, how do we know Stephen? He's the first martyr. He's a, considered to be the first Christian martyr. He's an activist. Well... There's the thing, is we know Stephen as the first Christian martyr. And by the way, in the early days of the Christian church, martyrdom was, um, there was a point at which it had become the thing to do, not just a byproduct of your faith um, or collateral damage, if you like, <laughs> if, of your faith. It was a thing to aspire to. It was, it was a thing to aspire to. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think, whoa. <laughs> I don't for a second think Stephen was aspiring to be martyred. Um, but but the thing is, we get this little piece of a story, and we don't get the whole backstory that leads up to it. We don't get the story about who Stephen was and how he lived. And the thing is, as you just said, Stephen was one of the original social activists of the church um, because we have, in fact, been doing that since the beginning, caring for the poor, feeding the sick, mm-hmm. um, or feed, it's caring for the sick and feeding the hungry, and... and um, caring for the homeless, the widows and orphans. And that's actually what gets Stephen in trouble um, is that he's doing that and he's preaching and he's telling the story of Jesus and it annoys people. They bring him to to the Sanhedrin and the crowd gets even more angry as he talks about uh, Jesus and his understanding of God and they stone him to death. But leading up to that, his life was changed by coming to know Jesus 
and in as part of that, he aspired to live as Jesus, mm-hmm. right? And what do we focus on? How he died. Right. And again, not to make too much of this, but his story is remarkably similar to Jesus. Right. Um, and, and maybe it's being told that way for that reason, sure. But the thing is, sometimes we spend a lot of time talking about the sacrifice of Jesus. We spend a lot of time talking about the cross. We spend a lot of time talking about the death of Jesus. And we need to spend lots of time talking about the life of Jesus and what we learn from the life of Jesus. Mm. And, and I just, and again, long way round, but when I start putting this stuff together, I kind of go, our, our life is sometimes like that, right? We fixate on a piece of something and that becomes the representation of how we know that thing, mm. right? So we know our we know our our mothers or our fathers. We I'm going to include both because it's only fair. Um, but we know them by that definition. Yeah, by it's that my role mother. That they play. Yeah, and that's their role. Yeah, and that um, and thank you for being that role for me. And okay, it's worth celebrating that it absolutely is. But it's also worth knowing more about what's behind that role? Like mm. what, what was life like when you were a kid? What was, what was, what, what happened what's in your, your life growing up? Tell me, tell me your story. Yeah. Yeah. What's your story? Um, help me know you, not just as a mother or a parent, but help me know you yeah. um, it, because those are the things that we're going to take forward in our lives. Right. The, um, on, in this podcast, we have touched many times on this, uh, this topic of identity, right? Like yeah. who, who are we really? We've talked yeah. about that many times that, uh, obviously our definition of who we are and how God knows us is goes way beyond just, um, the way we would typically, uh, label each other, right? We think of each other as, Oh, Robin is the minister. Like you're, you're kind of defined by your, yep. yeah, your job title, your occupation, yeah. uh, who you, who you are to others, you're, you know, a brother, a father, a son, um, a mother. Uh, a great example of that, I think, is uh, when I found out that for my mom, when she was a little girl, uh, her sisters didn't call her Trish or Patricia. She was Trisha, T-R-I-C-I-A. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time seeing, and I think it was when I saw an email and it was maybe to one of her sisters or both of them. And I'd, she'd included me in the email and it was love Trisha. And I said, mom, why did you, why did you sign that email as Trisha? And she said, Oh, did I never tell you? Like that was, that was my name growing up. Like as a, when I was a young kid and sometimes her two sisters will still call her Trisha. Yeah. And I thought, how did I not know this? Like how, how does, is this showing, uh, revealing how, how um, lacking my my knowing of my own mom is that I wouldn't know what her childhood nickname hey, was. Listen, and, I, I did not know I did not know either of my parents' actual real name until I was. Well, actually, I didn't know my mother's real name until I was a teenager. What? And I didn't know my dad's real first name until I was in my early twenties. I think. How's that possible? Um, and well, because um, my I always knew my parents were Rex and Rena King. Um, and, uh, my mother, her, and you, this is just really weird, but believe it or not, um, I did not know that my mother's actual name was Robina 
In fact, my name, my first name, Robin, is a family name. Ah. And so my mother's name was Robina. And, but she always went by Rena, and that's what I heard people call her. And I, right. you know, I didn't know any different. Um, my father was always known as Rex King, Rex King because he was in the uh, Royal Air Force in the Second War. And the Air Force in England is notorious for nick- nicknames, right? Um, and his last name was King, so they called him Rex. <laughs> right? King of the dinosaurs. Is real first name is Wilfred. Um, and I did not know that until I heard an uncle call him Wilf. So you, you just and thought... I, why are you calling him that? Well, that's his name. What? Um, <laughs> really? And, but again, it's we know people, we learn labels, right? Or we yeah. learn names or we learn, yeah. we learn... We learn to know people a specific way. Um, and unless we explore wider or ask questions or they're willing to offer their story... Mm. Um, and, and maybe, maybe that's a, uh, and, and I'm going to say this is worth doing this, save this up for Father's Day too. Um, and for any other day where we are focusing on a particular aspect of what it means to be a whole person, um, ask more, yeah. right? So, um, particularly because we're kind of isolated right now. And like you said, I mean, that the normal ways we might celebrate, um, Aren't, aren't readily available to us necessarily. Um, maybe maybe it's an opportunity now to ask more of the story, to ask, uh, if, if you can, to ask your mother uh, what their life was like as a child mm. or to ask people, other people who might know, yeah. right? Just because or you can't... might know them differently. Yeah, even if you can't get together and have brunch or bring a, an elaborate gift to your mom or give her a big hug and all the things you would maybe normally do. It's an opportunity to approach it in a new way. Well, and, and maybe, maybe a better, maybe, Ooh, I'm going to be careful here, but maybe an even better gift than taking flowers or taking them out for lunch is to ask them who they really are, right. Mm-hmm. To, to learn, learn about, learn their story. And the thing about that is that, that we already have in a way, right. Because we've already learned by their doing, mm-hmm. we've learned lots. But we have but our... It's also worth hearing their story and how they, how they tell their story, right? Yeah. As well as how they've lived it. Usually we, get, we become, uh, we're kind of limited to our lens or perspective on their life. So we all have our, our mothers as who they are for us versus right. who they are of themselves and of their own life and their own journey and their own story separate from being our mom. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit to me, it, it's kind of, it actually connects to what we were talking about earlier about the difference between multifunctional and a community space, right? Um, that, that it's one thing to say, we have this space, of course you can rent it for your event and you can do your event in it. But it's another thing entirely to, for people to feel like they're at home in having that event there, right? Right. Um, and one of the great one of the great things uh, here in particular is that that we often have because we have so many that like the high school has been able to make use of the space and 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 do things here, and we've had theater groups and things like that. It's not unusual to have whole families come in the door where the adults might be doing something upstairs, and the kids go downstairs and play because they know where they can and they know they're safe. And they know they belong there, and they know that this is a place that they can they can do basically live right yeah um and and that's to me the difference between um a space that people feel they belong in and a 
in a space that's just a multifunctional space that you're using for an event. Um, and, and I think sometimes our, our, our lives are a little bit like that too, right? We, we connect with something or we know something a certain way because it fulfills a certain function. And to know it more deeply than that function is, is important. Um, and, and I know, I, I know, okay, feel free to challenge me on. So are you saying that we only know our parents as their function as parents? Actually, I think I am actually saying that. Um, we often do. That is often how we know because, well, especially early how on. How often? Yeah, especially when you're little, right? And 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 early on. But then, how often do you see, like, you see them do something or go somewhere, they're at something, and you think, "I never knew you did that," or "I never knew you liked that," or "I never knew you 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 uh, that was important to you." Yeah. Right. That sort of eye-opening experience, and. And yet, I think sometimes we're also unfortunately prone to going, wow, I never knew that. And then stopping right there and not saying, tell me more. Right. Right. Share more about it. And and that's the thing about being connected, right? It's about relationship. It's about that's, that's broadening your relationship. I think there's also a bit of a parallel, again, coming back, bringing it back to what Jesus said about, do you not know me? Like, you know God through me. We... Uh, I, I think it's worth talking a little bit about uh, God's uh, own kind of identity and or how we label God. Sure. You know, we we. Um, I think we, it's worth talking about. Or yes. <laughs> well, that's exactly where I was going to go with it. Is we we've created this you know very patriarchal um, masculine identity for God, and I mean, I don't think there's many people that think of God as literally uh, having a big, long white beard and sitting up in the clouds. I'm sure some people do. But even if it is only symbolic, there is still kind of that that image, right? That imagery, that symbolism. And it feels foreign to us to even just use other labels, other words like Allah, mm-hmm. uh, creator, um, what are what are some other ones from other cultures or other religions or other even just like you said well it's applying a female God, right? yeah um well and, and that's okay you're you're see you're already treading on some toes there ben um <laughs> first of all because there i'm i'm sure there are actually people who think god wears a big white robe and sits on a throne and has long white hair um uh, although thankfully that's not many we've reached a point i think generally in communities of faith where there is a widespread, right? There are some very progressive communities of faith where essentially what we're saying, and and I know this sounds, uh, this is a dreadful way of saying it, but it's, it's a way of saying it that allows for you to engage it differently. And that's to say that God is a non-gender specific entity, right? Um, and, and I know that that's, I mean, that's very clinical and, and everything, but the fact of the matter is that if you engage God as a, as a community, as a non-gender specific entity with the understanding that that simply allows, the point of that is to simply allow for people to engage and image God the way they individually do, Mm -hmm. that allows for people to say him. It allows for people to say her. It allows for people to say them. It allows for people to image God as, as a shepherd it, it, but also as a mentor or a teacher or a companion or a friend, or it allows us to image God in a way that is most meaningful to us mm-hmm. rather than simply saying, no, God is he capital H capital H. And don't forget to say thou when you talk to God. <laughs> um, 
And and that's a, that's the thing though is that I'm not suggesting when I say non-gender specific entity, I'm not suggesting that we now begin the Lord's prayer with our non-gender specific entity who are in. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I'm not saying that. Please don't do that. What I am saying is, take a moment and think. I am now free to image God in a way that is most meaningful to me. So that on a Sunday morning, for instance, as a community, if we're saying the Lord's Prayer together, um, and even if we're using the the old school language and everything, some people might say our father, some people might say our mother, some people might say our friend, our brother, our sister, our, you know, mm-hmm. different ways of engaging that. Well, I, I remember Rather hearing... Rather than just him. I remember hearing Lori... Uh, years ago, she would, and I think she still she says, does. Please, she adds please, which I and yeah. Kelly has started adopting that too, and yeah. and I, I love that. But I remember years ago hearing Lori, and I'm sure she still does it, saying "Our Mother, Our Father" at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. I, I, th- I think she does. I think that kind of comes and goes a little bit depending. Okay. on... And here's the th- the great but thing Kelly about Kelly has that. started using that too, and like both well, the of great us thing usually... about it is that that it it it. It allows for you to image God the way that is most meaningful for you in this moment. So, for example, if it is meaningful to you this Sunday, I invite you to feel free to say our mother who art in heaven. Please feel free to say that. Mm. Um, but, but also feel free to image God in the way that is most meaningful to you. Please do not hear someone else say him or he and think, or father even and say that's the only way. I'm, I must be doing it wrong. Right. That being said, there are, of course, lots of people who will argue that um, obviously God is Father because, well, Jesus. Right. Right? And it's biblical. Yeah. Right? Except the thing about that is, again, um, the, all of the stories, in the, and it doesn't matter when they were written, but all of the stories that are in what we know as the Bible were written by human beings at a certain time. And at a time when patriarchy was the way things are, right? And we have, we still live with that. Um, we are still, sorry, I'm going to say that differently. We're still stuck with that. Um, and, and that's too bad. Um, but hey, if, if it is in fact meaningful for you to, to say father, because it's meaningful to you, not because someone else told you or the church told you you should, um, but because it's meaningful to you, please feel free. Um, but I just, I just think that this is one of those moments where our relationship with God as a community and as an individual collide, right? We say communal prayers. We use communal language. And what is that language? Well, up until recently, um, it's always been father he, him, right? And now um, there are um, many people who are challenging that, and they're not challenging it by saying, that's wrong. They're challenging it by when we are saying a prayer together communally, saying mother instead of father, mm-hmm. or, or her or them, right? And being, being, saying it for the way that it's meaningful to them. It's right. It, to me, it, it's kind of like, because I was used to be a musician in the church, um, you know, the big argument about changing language in hymns to make it less gender specific, to make it more contemporary. Um, and some people really hate that. And some people really like that. And then we come to this argument of which is it going to be? And, and in my head, because I used to be really afraid to say it out loud, in my head, I don't care. If we are singing together and half the room sings him and half the room sings her, 
I don't care. The point is we're singing together. So there, this idea that there needs to be um, uniformity, complete uniformity. Yeah, yeah no, is it's an assumption and it's faulty. What we need is unity, not uniformity. Um, so, and the unity exactly. comes from the action to get to me. The unity comes from the action together. We are praying together. Mm-hmm. If you want to address God differently than me, please do. Um, if you want to, and, and not just if you want to address God, and this is the thing you were talking about with, with Lori, which is, I, I think is such an awesome thing is, um, Lori, Lori tends to say, please, when we say the Lord's prayer together, um, because we don't. Mm-hmm. And, and if you think about it, like if you read the Lord's prayer and the way we say it, um, it's basically do this, make it, make it happen this way. Yeah. Gimme, gimme. Gimme, gimme. And, <laughs> and so we, there's no please in there. Yeah. Uh, we don't even say thank you at the end. Um, but, but there's no please. And so Lori like throws all the, and I think that's awesome. And, and I wish more people would do it. And, and in fact, that has, um, that has in, um, that has affected how I, um, do pr- right prayers generally is that I try to say please if it's an intercessory yeah. prayer um, and thank you if it's if it's um, a, a prayer of thanksgiving right yeah um, because it, I just think it's important that's that's not a fussy little thing um, and and sure please feel free to say again once again but the Lord's prayer is biblical um, or um, but it's implied you know because it's a, we're asking, so it's implied. Well, no, it's not implied. Sorry, it isn't. That's and like we, saying it, in a marriage, like, you never tell me that you love me. Well, it's implied. You know I love you. Yeah, but hearing it is a very different thing, and it's important. Actually, that's also very much like our relationship with God. When was the last time you told God that you loved God, right? I mean, do, do you know what I mean? Like, it's, 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 that's, but that's the key, relationship, is the mm-hmm. key part. And, and it's and hard I, to have a relationship if you don't have a sense of, I mean, there's your own identity uh, that is important, but having a sense of the identity of the other person or being or right. entity in the relationship. It's not just the role. Exactly. And so how do you form a sense of that identity of God without um, using some of that symbolism, using some of those labels and names? Yeah. You, it's It's tricky and it's especially tricky because it's not just like uh, learning more about your own mother and their story and their life right. story and their identity and, and all of that. You're talking about uh, something that doesn't have physical form. I mean, in, this is my understanding of God, which is, like you said, everyone's is different. But I think of God as that force of creation, that the life force that's in, every, that's in all things, I essentially love, right? And so if God is love... Well, love doesn't have a physical form. You experiencing it, you experience it, uh, especially through relationships. It's important to love yourself. You know, you you feel love, but you can't explain to your kids what love is. Uh, in it, just doesn't have that physical form of it itself embodying. There's an experiential aspect to it. Exactly, and yeah. I think it's the same with God and. So for me, right. So I, I kind of collapse the two. Yeah. God is love, but how do you, uh, yeah, how do you envision that entity that you're in relation with without starting to bring in some of that symbolism, some of that imagery, right. and some of those labels yes. that build yeah. up that so so. But identity. here's the thing, right? Is that it, I think that's absolutely right. The thing is, uh, we've always, um, and and I'm just gonna I'm gonna just not go back into the days of 
telling people what they're supposed to think and everything. Um, but but we've always led with, uh, in the church, we've tended to lead with, um, if we're going to tell people where God is in their lives, we tell people where God is in, this is where God is in the in your life. This is where God is in the world. God is present in the world through blah, 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 blah. And uh, I think, and, and we've done it more recently, but I, I think it's time to, instead of saying, this is where God is in your life, it's time to say, where do you see God in your life? How do you know God in your life? It's time to let people say how they experience it, not tell them how they should, right? And, and mm-hmm. we sometimes were... Uh, I, summer children's programs, right? Vacation Bible schools. I sometimes find that we have a tendency to do that. We have a tendency to lead with, here's Jesus, and here's where he is in your life and not invite the kids to come and have an experience from which they learn Jesus is in their life or God is in their life and this is how, right? Um, and so we lead with telling mm-hmm. rather than invite experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to me, that's a little bit like saying, this is God's role and this is how you should experience that role. Instead of saying, how do you see God? How do you experience God? How do you know God? Tell me more about that. Let's let's talk less about labels and roles and talk more about um, uh, examples and experience and, and things like that. And and uh, you know, whenever we whenever we have one of these moments where we go, it's you know, Mother's Day or Father's Day or Christian Family Sunday or whatever you want to call those things. Um, whenever we have a day that we put a label on, um, even birthdays. What's the point of a birthday? Well, I'm a year older. I'm now this many years. Nope, that is not the point of a birthday. First of all, the point of a birthday is to celebrate you are here, your birth, right? Your day of arrival. But isn't it also a moment to to celebrate who you are, how you came to be here? Mm-hmm. Not just this many years chronologically, but how you came to be here in this amount of time experientially, right? Mm-hmm. That's a, the classic... Um, the classic thing about how we don't have know how much time we have, but the point is that we should live fully with what we have, right? Um, and uh, what's Ecclesiastes, right? That big long list of there's time for this and time for that and time for this and time for that. Mm-hmm. But the point of that is at the end of it, it says God intends for us to live well, to live our lives fully and, and, and to live well. And that's the point. So the point isn't how many years, the point is what you filled it with. Yeah. Right? It's the same thing as the point isn't the label, it's the the point is how you lived it, right? How what what life went life experience, what learning, what what um living went into that. I I heard something fairly recently that has kind of stuck with me that um I think it was sort of around the time of the beginning of this pandemic that it said we all of us are terminally ill with a life expectancy of about two minutes. But every single time you breathe in, it resets the clock. That's, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Isn't that kind of a, a neat way of... Yeah. Well, that's, that we, we're we, all we literally born to die, are, right? Yeah, and that we yeah. are literally living one breath at a time. And especially yeah. in the face of thinking about this virus that what it attacks is your respiratory system, your, your breathing, yeah. your, your, that breath of life that you breathe in every, every few seconds. Yeah. Um, but again, it's what you do with it. We just take for granted that right? it's, 
Yeah, exactly. Okay, I'm just gonna very, I'm just gonna very briefly go there, and then I'm gonna leave it. But I'm no, just gonna briefly we'll go wrap there. Up. Um, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me, right? Okay, so that's that's part of this week's gospel reading, um, and of course, traditionally, it's interpreted as Jesus is the only way to God. Except Jesus is not the only way to God, because I don't for a second think that's what he meant by I am the way. I think also the earliest Christians understood that pretty darn clearly, which is why they called themselves the people of the way, not Jesus people. Mm. Um, the, the point is, the way that Jesus showed us to live is the way, right? Um, when And I think when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, what Jesus is trying to say is, what I've been showing you is the way right? It is true. That's what I've been trying to show you is that when you live true to yourself, right? This is how you live. You love, you care for others. This is the way mm. it's true. And it's life giving. That's mm-hmm. the point. It's not destructive. It's life giving. Yeah. And so when Jesus says, no one comes to the father, but through me, I don't think he means me only and alone. I think what he means is the way to God is to live this way true to yourself to, true to yourself true to what's in your heart which is if we believe we are created in the image of god good yeah right and when you live true to that it is life-giving and if it is not life-giving if it is destructive that is not the way to god no the way to god is the way that is life-giving and that way um in fact jesus goes on to say even goes on to say to philip philip asked him about you know seeing god show me god and jesus says i did I'm right here. Like God is in me. And I don't think what he, he, I don't think he just meant that in that sort of, I am the son of God way. I think what he meant was God is in me. I showed you God and I showed you that you can be like that too. You can live that way. In fact, he also even goes on to say, after I'm gone, others will live that way better than me. Right. So, so I, I, again, I, I think that saying I am the way, the truth and the life isn't to say that Jesus is the only way to God. I think it's to say that there are many ways to God. Each of us will find our way to God and we will find that way by living this way of love and grace and truth that, that is true and is life-giving, not destructive, but life-giving. And that is what brings us to God. Absolutely. It's not about labels. It's not about a specific name or a specific figure. It's about each of us living what's true to mm. truly in our hearts, right? The good that is there mm. and being life giving to others. Yeah. And a great way that we can do that is to reach out to other people and to stay connected like we've been talking about and by learning more about each other's story, whether that's calling your mom this weekend, right? For or, sure. Uh, or, or someone who knew, like, um, uh, my mom passed away a while ago and, um, like I sometimes talk to my sisters about her, mm. um, uh, and I wish there were other people, she was very elderly. I wish there were other people who knew her that could tell me more. Um, uh, and I, I am sorry that I didn't take more advantage of that opportunity when I was younger. Uh, I wish I had, um, but I'm, I'm telling you, you should, yeah, <laughs> if you can. Um, because it's worth knowing, it's worth knowing the person, not just their, not just what they did for you, Mm -hmm. but the person that did that. Yeah. And through sharing stories is how, is how we do that. Not only with 
our moms or other loved ones that were either um, missing and can't talk to because they're no longer alive or just people that were missing being yeah. connected to because we can't get it's very much physically. like saying it's very much like saying um describe jesus well jesus is the way what does that mean tell me a story that demonstrates that right how do you know your mom um well my mom's awesome she's really great she's good at yeah stuff really what do you mean Mm -hmm. Tell me a story like you have. There has to be a story there. Mm -hmm. Right. And 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 not just at being a mother, but a story at being a person right? Yeah. and and who they are. And, and it's those things that we ourselves carry forward in our lives. Right. Not just from the experience, but knowing the stories. Yeah. There's, there's such a parallel there between connecting with and knowing uh, each other and uh, connecting with and knowing God. We, mm -hmm. It's it's the same thing. Yeah. We do it in the same way. Um, awesome. Well, let's wrap it up there for today, Robin. And this has been really fun because we've had a couple of guests on the podcast the last couple of weeks. So it's been a few weeks since you and I have sat down to do this. Um, but they were, yeah, we had some great conversations the last couple of weeks with the cool. guests that did yeah. come on. And so hopefully uh, everyone's had a chance to listen to those. And we'll be doing this again. Uh, well, actually next week, we have another guest coming on. Mm -hmm. Her name's Kelly, not my wife Kelly, but another Kelly. And so uh, it might be a couple weeks before you and I sit down for another coffee. So until then, uh, thanks so much for, for this today. Thanks, Ben. And thank you everyone for listening. Hope you enjoyed this. Hope you have a wonderful uh, Mother's Day weekend coming up and uh, that you're enjoying spring, uh, doing everything you can to stay healthy and stay safe and stay connected um, thanks for your time and for your listening and I hope you join us again sometime soon until then take care and be well. <laughs>